We're going to finish up our study on 1 John today by looking at the last chapter, chapter 5, and we're going to start reading in verse 1, and let's read verses 1 through 5 to begin with. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and every one that loveth him that begat loveth him also that is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. Amen. The emphasis there is that Jesus is the Son of God. You remember in the last study when we looked at chapter 4 at the start of that the emphasis was on jesus's humanity and uh, john said if you deny that jesus was not born in the flesh if you deny that jesus was born in the flesh you you can't even call yourself of god it's not of god and he even said if you deny that jesus was born in the flesh that that is a, an antichrist kind of a of a thing an antichrist spirit and so he said all of that to kind of combat some of that Gnostic theology, that Gnostic uh, philosophy that was flying around, just kind of getting up and started at this time. And, uh, and so he was trying to emphasize that, no, Jesus came in the flesh. The Son of God came in the flesh, and you cannot deny that he came in the flesh. And we even spoke about how Jesus is God. He, he is 100% God, and he's 100% man. And so uh, in last chapter, he put the emphasis on his humanity. And we even talked about how you cannot deny the Trinity or anything like that and still call yourself a Christian. But uh, in this chapter, in these first few verses, he's back to emphasizing the deity of Christ. Jesus is not only born in the flesh, but this is the Son of God. He is born of God. He is the Christ and you can't deny these things. And he says he says that if you are begotten of him, you're going to be loving the others that are begotten of him. And so he's connecting that whole thing uh, with loving God. You know the Spirit of God is in you if you love him and you love other people and you love his word. He says in verse 2, he says, By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For, for this is the love of God that we keep the commandments and his commandments are not grievous. There's something about how do you know, how do you know that you love the children of God when you, when you love his word, when you keep his word. You know, his word is being in you and you keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. We're not talking about keeping his commandments in like a legalistic checklist kind of uh, mentality. And there's a lot of people who try to live their Christianity out like that. You know, I do this check, I do this check. And, and they just, they think they're better than anybody else because they keep a, a certain amount of rules or something. But that's not what he's talking about. No, I said, those who love the Lord and love, love the brethren, there's a love for his word. And you got you have a desire in your heart to um, keep his word and live by his word. And you put yourself in situations where you can be discipled and and uh, grow in in his word. That's just natural. And if you don't have that, there's something wrong. If you're calling yourself a Christian and you don't want to be where the word is being spoken and where the word is being taught and, and lived, there's something wrong. 
with that. And he says that keeping his word, keeping his commandments is not grievous. You know, uh, it's not something that's, you know, impossible. <laughs> it's not something that we looked upon with dread. No, this is something that we take and we embrace it. You know, uh, we love it. And here's the crazy thing. He gives us what we need. He enables us to keep his word and to live according to his gospel and everything. And again, we're not talking perfection here. We just we're talking about the spirit of God, the spirit and the presence of God in our lives is giving us this type of uh, enablement that we're able to uh, keep and uh, keep his word and live according to his word and, and everything else it's, it's a great great thing he says this in verse 6 says this is he that came by water and blood even jesus christ not by water only but by water and blood and it is the spirit that beareth witness because the spirit is truth for there are three that bear record in heaven the father the word and the holy ghost and these three are one and there are three that bear witness on earth the spirit and the water and the blood and the these three agree in one. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater, for this is the witness of God, which we, which he hath testified of his Son. Oh man, you'd look at this and say, this ought to be easy. There's this witness in heaven. There's, this, uh, there's also this uh, witness on earth. And he talks about these things that bear witness to Christ. And we look at that and we think, ah, oh, this ought to be pretty easy to figure out. But it's amazing how many different views there are of these verses. And, uh, and you do have to kind of look at it a time or two and run it over in your head and kind of think, ah, oh, what in the world is he talking about here? But he talks about, I think because he's talking about the deity in, of Christ here in chapter 5. And in chapter 4, he was talking about the humanity of Christ the humanity of christ when he gets here and says that this is he that came by water and blood i'm sitting there thinking it has to have something to do with his natural birth you know he was born just like we are born but it gets into his baptism and his crucifixion and stuff he came into this world uh, just like in, any baby would but he's not any he's just not any baby this is the son of god right here and He's depicted in this whole thing of uh, not only he came in water, but not water only, but water and blood. And it's the spirit that beareth witness because the spirit is truth. And so right there, you think of the baptism of Jesus when John the Baptist baptized him. You know, so it may have reference to his baptism, the water of Jesus's baptism and what was accomplished at the baptism of Jesus he validates the ministry of John the Baptist who came announcing the Messiah his arrival and and then not only that it's it's kind of prophetic in a way because what is Jesus's what is the baptism represent but his death and so even when we receive Christ you know the believers baptism we identify ourselves with Jesus's death, burial, burial, and resurrection. Our life comes to an end. We are buried with Christ. And so at Jesus's baptism, you see that element there that he's, he's prophetically predicting his death. And when he was baptized, you know, he hadn't been crucified yet, but it looked forward to that. And in Christian baptism, we identify with that.
And then he says, not water only, but water and blood. And I think that's a reference to the blood of Calvary, the blood that was shed for the remission of our sins, you know, for our sins. And, uh, and so he, he, he fulfilled that, you know, what he prophesied in his baptism, he fulfilled that in his death. And then the spirit bear witness with us, with him. And we know that at his baptism, we had that picture of the Holy Spirit came down like a dove and saying, this is my son whom I'm well pleased. So there's a public witness that is given by the water and the blood and the Holy Spirit. Then he says in verse seven, for there is. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. These three are one. And clearly that's another reference to the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It says the Word here, but we know we've already talked about this in previous lessons, how this is referring to Jesus. Jesus is the incarnate Word. And so we have this picture of the Trinity. So they bear witness in heaven, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Father, the Word, the Holy Ghost. They, they bear record in heaven. These three are one. And then he says, and there are three that bear witness in earth, the spirit and the water and the blood. And these three are one. He continues this, uh, this, uh, this thing in threes. And I think John thinks in terms of the Trinity, you know, the father, son, Holy spirit. And, and so we can see that, that these three bear witness on earth, the spirit and the water and, and the blood and uh, I think it has this. It, it has the same kind of a meeting that we were talking about up there in, in verse six. You know, the water um, is a reference to the water of, of baptism, the blood, and it's not that you're saved by baptism. You know, you're saved by grace through faith. But what you see here, these are the witnesses. These these bear record on earth. That water and then the blood that was shed. Christ's blood, the, the the blood of the Lamb, and then these three, and, uh, and and the Spirit, and these three agree in one. Now, there's some thought here <clears throat> that uh, um, John says things like similar to this, and, and when the Holy Spirit comes to mind, and and uh, he mentions in John chapter 16, the Apostle John wrote first. John wrote these epistles, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. He wrote the Gospel of John, and he also wrote the book of Revelation. Somehow there's a connection between John 16, 8 and 1 John 5, 8. And in, first, and in John 16, 8, it, he says that, that, that when the Holy Spirit comes, he will reprove the world. Okay, he's going to reprove them of sin, it says. He's going to reprove them of righteousness, and he's going to reprove them of judgment. These three things, and they bear testimony as well, and it's all connected to the Holy Spirit. But he reproves the world of sin. You know, when you live, uh, when you live in self-denial, I'm talking about as a believer, and and you look at the witness of you look at the the life of Christ, and and you look at our witness as as believers. When you live a life of self-denial, the Spirit will take God's word and your life and convict people of the world uh, of their sins. He'll convict them of their sins by, by that word and that testimony, that life that you have. And see, we've identified ourselves with Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection. And so when God will use us 
And there's something about the power of a blameless life, you know, the Spirit of God dwelling in us, His presence. But if, but if we live in self-denial, the Spirit will, will take the Word of God in our lives and convict people of, of the world, of their sins. And listen, they don't take too kindly to it. And they will, many will hate you because of it and seek to kill you. And don't be surprised that they hate you because they hated him first. But not only does the Holy Spirit reprove the world of their sin, but also of righteousness. When, you're, when you remain under the word without compromise, the world will be, con, uh, will be convicted of righteousness, righteousness because you are demonstrating the righteousness. And so it's at play, it's at working here, in our lives even. Then it says that the Holy Spirit will also reprove the world of judgment. Um, the Spirit will convict of the judgment to come, um, uh, both for our personhood and that our works are going to be judged. And if, and if our message is that the, there is going to be a coming judgment, that someday we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ, if we preach that, we will be used by the Spirit to warn people to prepare to meet God. And for the most part, people just live out their life with no consideration of the judgment whatsoever. But if we remind them that the day is going to come for the lost person, you're going to stand before the Lord someday and, uh, and have, to, have to answer, you know, what did you accept Christ or not? For the saved person, we're going to have to stand before the Lord even, even and give an account of what we've done in the flesh with the, with the salvation that we give us. And so we often just, we don't give much thought to that. But at the same time, if we do, God will use that to, to reprove the world of judgment. Now, there's also a place in Revelation. Revelation chapter 12, verse 11 through 13. And now remember, this is all coming from the same guy. The same guy wrote 1 John. The same guy wrote the, the uh, Gospel of John. Same guy, John, wrote the book of Revelation. But he said that, uh, that in, in reference to the dragon, that they overcome the dragon, which is Satan, by the blood of the Lamb, the word of their testimony, and they love not their life unto death. Isn't that amazing? And so that's how we're, we're overcoming the world. That's how we're overcoming, um, you know, this Antichrist spirit that, that is, hates God and hates the word, hates us. The dragon is loosed, and it says that, they, that we overcome him through the blood of the Lamb, the word of our testimony, and loving not our life unto death. Now, you can take that and do with you what you want to with it, but there's a connection there uh, between them. Let's pick up again, and we'll start reading here in verse 10. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. And that's what he's talking about, that, that stuff over there in John 16, 8. Uh, how he reproves the world of sin and everything like that. It says, it says that he that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar because he believeth not the record that God gave his Son. And so we have to believe this. And it says, and this is the record that God hath given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Amen. This is a this is a great verse here to use when sharing the gospel with some time, somebody. I one time saw Dr. Vins and he he held up his Bible and it was open to 
to this verse or whatever he was looking at and he held this he held the bible up and he said let's say that this is jesus let's say that this is the son and then he took a piece of paper like a gospel track or something like that and he held that in his other hand and he said let's say that this is life and he says the life is in the son and so he takes the gospel track he puts it in the crease of his bible and he closes the bible on that gospel track and he says and it's a very powerful image when it's played out in front of you he said the life is in the son and he closes it and he who has the son hath life and he takes that bible and he holds it close to his chest he said he who hath the son hath life and then he who hath not the son hath not life and he he puts it away from him puts the word away from him but it's a powerful powerful kind of illustration that you can do and it it depicts a truth he who hath the son hath life he that hath not the son of god hath not life and then he says this in in verse 13 these things have i written unto you that believe on the name of the son of god that ye may know that ye have eternal life and that ye may believe on the name of the son of god and this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will he heareth us and if we know that he hears us whatsoever we ask we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him powerful little promise right there that he that he makes to us but here's the here's one of the last reasons you remember when we were in chapters one and two of this study he kind of list out some of the reasons why he wrote this book you know and there was a number of reasons like five reasons that he wrote this book and here is the last reason that he wrote wrote this uh, this letter wrote this epistle he wrote this in verse 13 he says these things have i written unto you that believe on the name of the son of god that ye may know that ye have eternal life and that ye may believe on the name of the son of god and so the last reason that he states for writing this epistle is for assurance it, it uh, covers the assurance of salvation that you may know that you're saved i write these things to you that you will know those who hath the son hath life those who hath not the son hath not life how do you know you have the son because the love of god is in you you love god you love others you love other the brethren you love other believers you love his word his word is in you and there's something about you want to keep his word and live according to his word and it's not too grievous it's not too much to ask it's not that difficult you know it's just it's just becomes a part of who you are if these things are evident in your life you know and then you take that whole witness that we have you know If we are born of God and we identify ourselves with his death, burial, and resurrection, those things are going to play out in our lives as well. And you know what? We'll, we'll hang on to that. We'll grab that and we will, we will uh, receive it. You know, we may not like it. All. We may not like everything that we're hearing, but we can hear it and we can, we can receive that. And so uh, there's a revelation there that comes to us that there's some things coming ahead that that um, they're going to be difficult for us as well and so this is just kind of important kind of stuff and then he says he says this this whole thing about um, the prayer 
ask according to his will and he heareth it. Man, you claim those claim those kind of promises, you know. <clears throat> Believe those kind of things. Know that God hears your prayer. You know, know that and understand that and have confidence in that. He hears them all. And then in verse 16, it says, If any man see his brother sin, a sin which is not unto death, he shall ask and he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. There is a sin unto death. I do not say that he shall pray for it. All, all unrighteousness is sin. And there is a sin not unto death. There is a sin not unto death. And so here's the thing, you know, if we sin, you know, that God is 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 quick to forgive and, um, you know, um, and he, he's, he's gracious in doing that. But there is a sin unto death. You know, if, if you're going to live in sin as a believer... You've confessed Christ. You've you've asked Him to forgive you of your sins. You've invited Him in in your life. Well, and you're not living as according to the gospel. You're not. There's no desire in your heart to change or what. If you're genuinely saved, God's only going to tolerate that for so long. There comes a time when you become and an embarrassment to the Lord and a detriment to yourself and with others. And so that sin unto death is that stubborn refusal to repent. And if you're, if you're guilty of that, God could come along at any time and just uh, take you out right there. You're better off God taking you out right then than you going any further, causing him any more embarrassment or, or, or uh, making your situation any worse. Giving you more time would be detrimental to you and everybody else around you. So there is a sin unto death, and it's that complete refusal to uh, repent and, uh, and uh, you know, and forsake your 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 wicked ways and into into and to live for the lord and then he says in verse 18 he says in verse 18 we know that whosoever is born of god sinneth not now we're talking about it's not talking about you're never going to sin and we addressed this earlier in this in this epistle as well it's that idea that you know if you can if you can sin and remain in that sin be comfortable in that sin and stay there you know there's some there's something wrong but for the believer we're not going to be able to stay in that and if you do stay in that then then you risk god taking you out and it says this we know that whosoever is born of god sinneth not but he that is begotten of god keepeth himself and that wicked one toucheth him not and we know that we are of God, and the whole world lieth in wickedness. And we know that the Son of God is come, and hath given us an understanding, that we may know that this, that him that is true, and we are in him that is true, even in his, even in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God, and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Those three verses, 18, 19, and 20, each one of them starts this. We know, you know, verse 18, we know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not. We know that, right? And then verse 19, we know that we are of God, amen, and that the whole world lieth in wickedness. I mean, the world is wicked, uh, you know, 
and there's wickedness all around us and we know this and we know that but, but we know that we are of god and then the t- verse 20 and we know that the son of god is come and hath given us an understanding that we may know him that is true and we are in him that is true even in the son jesus christ this is the true god and eternal life and so he gives that to us this is true <laughs> you know this we know this verse 20 we know this and we know this and based on that he said little children keep yourselves from idols you know you you know that you know you know that uh, the son of god has come so don't fall for all the 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 deception the lies and and don't fall for idols and follow after idols and things like that because you know the one the one true god amazing study we're you know we just kind of rapidly ran through that man there's there's sermons all through this you know you could concentrate on certain things uh, specifically but just for the quick survey we're going to wrap it up right there and I, I pray that this has been a beneficial study for you man i've messed some things up through here i mispronounced words i think in chapter one i called aeon i called it eon <laughs> you're just gonna to have to give me a little grace i don't claim to be the smartest guy around i'm just stumbling through this stuff just like everybody else but uh but you know give me a little grace and i, I pray that that uh, the lord uses this and you benefit greatly from it and just apply it to your life just apply these things all right uh, lord we love you we bless you we thank you for your word we thank you for this 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 brief little run through that we did on the on on this epistle and I just pray, God, that you take what we've learned here, that the, the seeds are planted deep within our heart and that uh, fruit is born of this in the days, weeks, and years ahead, God. Just use it to your glory. We pray believing in the name of Jesus. Amen.